contribute to the development of a system that would be very practical for our growers to not only protect their farm and their environment, uh, but also um, help um, take care of a, a problem, the pesticide waste, in a way that is um, uh, fairly cheap and uh, affordable. Welcome to the Farming Smarter podcast. My name is Jamie Putchinger and I'm the assistant manager there. We've given Ken the day off. I figure we have made him do enough of these episodes, so he's he's passing the buck over to me today. And I'm in studio here with Dr. Claudia Sheedy from AAFC, which is Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada. And we're going to talk about a research project that we have going on, um, along with some extension, I guess, as well, on biobeds and the rinsate that you create on farm just by doing some chemical applications. So Claudia, if you don't mind, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, uh, I'm Claudia. I'm a research scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada since uh, 2005 here in Ledbridge. And uh, my research is in environmental chemistry. Uh, so the lab that I'm leading is looking at the fate and transport of uh, in agricultural contaminants into the environment, especially water. Um, and we also look at, uh, so we look at, at things like pesticides, antimicrobials, and hormones uh, in water, but also in soil and sediments and their movement uh, beyond. And so what got you interested in this sort of field? Well, I'm, I'm very interested in pesticides, um, but I'm also very interested in protecting the environment. And I thought it was very interesting to put those two um, objectives together and then developed uh, or contribute to the development of a system that would be very practical for our growers to not only protect their farm and their environment, uh, but also um, help um, take care of a, a problem, the pesticide waste, in a way that is um, uh, fairly cheap and uh, affordable. So could you maybe explain to us exactly what a biobed is and what it looks like? Um. Sure. Uh, you can think of a biobed as a, a bit of a septic tank, but above, above ground for the most part. Um, but basically, it's the same principle applies uh, as a septic tank. So it, it, it looks like a box, and uh, inside that box, there's um, a mix, which we call the biomixture. The biomixture is a mixture of topsoil, of uh, straw and or wood chips, and uh, peat or compost. Uh, you mix those three uh, matrices together to form the biomixture. And you trickle through that biomixture the pesticide rinsate from the sprayers. And that way, the microbes that are naturally present in the biomixture uh, will degrade uh, the pesticides. And the biomix can also retain the pesticides within uh, itself so that they are um, more available for microbial degradation. And um, at the end of the process, uh, you have what we call the effluent and that effluent can be recycled. It can be used to um, water or irrigate uh, hedges or um, a, a green strip, for example. Okay, so when you're looking at implementing a system like this, what are some of the main components? You know, you've talked about the, the boxes of where the mixtures go, but is that the whole system? Is there more to it? There is more to it. Um, and uh, Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada has produced, has published a uh, manual, a construction manual for uh, building those biobeds. 
and most of the information is there. But in a simpler manner, the, the biobed, you have the biobed itself, uh, but you need a collection, collection tank for the rinsate so that uh, you can't apply the rinsate directly from the sprayer. It has to be held in a, in a container of some kind. Um, if uh, you, you are uh, away from your main yard, the, the yard, the farm's yard, uh, you will need electricity to run the pumps that will apply the rinsate onto the, onto the biobeds. And uh, if you are in your yard, you'll probably want to have a collection system for the final effluent as well. Um, and of course, the, to apply the rinsate dripwise onto the biobeds, you'll need a system to um, either a, a hose with holes in it so that the rinsate can trickle through the biobed and not applied um, in, at a rate that is way too fast. Okay. Um, so the collection pad, so if they're emptying out their sprayer, then is it important the material or is there a number of different ways that they can empty those tanks and get it into the collection, the rinsate collection tank? Uh, I think there, there are many ways uh, for the, the sprayers rinsate to be collected. Um, you can, uh, Agriculture and Ag Food Canada has developed two systems, two collection systems. One is a mobile trough. So uh, you, you can build a trough underneath the sprayers boom, collect the rinsate and direct it into the collection tank. Uh, we also have a, a, a system with um, a collection pad, so it's a cement pad onto which the sprayer drives and then uh, there is a drain at the bottom and the uh, rinsate is pumped into the collection tank that way. Um, so these are the two systems and with Farming Smarter we've also discussed a, a collection trough dug directly into the, uh, into the field. Right, and then you would just line that with some sort of impermeable plastic layer and, again, um, slope it accordingly so that you can pump it into the rinsate tank? Exactly. Um, some of the products that you've looked at that have flown through or been processed through the system, is there products that you're seeing that are maybe moving through the system too quickly? Yes, there are a few pesticides that are not retained or uh, degraded in the biobed system as well as the others. I would say the vast majority of the pesticides, especially the herbicides, tend to be removed 100%. Um, so we don't see them in the final effluent. But um, the herbicide clopyrrolid um, is uh, a bit more problematic. We can only remove 60 to 70%. Uh, it's still better than nothing, but it's... Uh, we're working hard to improve uh, that if, uh, removal efficiency. Um, azoxystrobin is a fungicide that doesn't seem to be removed as efficiently as other fungicides on a yearly basis. So some years we don't see it in the effluent, some years it seems to appear a bit more. Uh, we remove about 80% of the azoxystrobin. And um, there's also bentazone, a herbicide um, that is very mobile. Uh, bentazone is known to contaminate uh, groundwater, so it's not very surprising, but it does move through the system. It moves a bit too fast to be fully retained or degraded. Um, so we, uh, bentazone, we might be able to remove about 70%. And you're currently working on additional ways to try and improve the efficiencies and pull those out. Are you seeing any success with anything you're working on? Yes, I actually just had uh, results last week about that. So we do have two projects looking at 
developing microbial inoculants that are naturally present in, uh, in soils of southern Alberta. And we've isolated six uh, potential microbes that can degrade clopyrrolid or use clopyrrolid as their main source of food. And um, so we're continuing that work and we're hoping to formulate an inoculant that we could use for um, field studies where we would uh, do what is called bio-augmentation, where you mix the inoculant with the soil at the edge of a field, and you're hoping that will prevent the movement of clopyrrolid, for example, into the nearby waterways. Very interesting. So these biobed systems aren't something that are new. They're quite widespread throughout Europe. Why is it, do you think, that we're not seeing the uptake in Canada in particular? I'd love to have the answer to your question, but I don't. Um, I'm not exactly sure. Um, I think in Europe, the farms are uh, typically smaller than they are in Western Canada, um, more diverse as well. Um, And then, of course, they have very diverse climate as well uh, within Europe. So I think um, the idea started there and and then it expanded. And uh, countries like Germany do have some regulations regarding pesticide waste. Um, and it is to the advantage of growers there to have or use a biobed. And I think that's why, too, uh, commercial biobeds are available in Europe. They're not available here uh, yet. Um, Bayer is working on a system, uh, but um, they're fairly expensive and there's a lot of engineering involved. So that's, um, it, it could be a turnoff for certain growers that want a simpler system. Um, but I think now that uh, there's uh, publications for uh, biobeds in Canada, especially in the prairies, we have uh, six experimental biobeds that have been uh, built since 2012. Uh, we have data, scientific data, that is supporting uh, the use of, of biobeds. I think, and working with Farming Smarter, making it uh, readily available for growers, I think will make a big difference. Um, so the, the technology is there, and it's very simple. I would say it's fairly cheap. It can be um, uh, funded um, by the undercap, and therefore I think um, they will become a lot more common. Great. So with Farming Smarter's project, we actually have been looking at implementing a system on our site as well so that all of our research materials are being biofiltered through these bio beds as well. And with this project, Farming Smarter has the goal of making sure that all of the rinsate that Farming Smarter produces on our field site is going to be filtered. But we're also going to build into that uh, the education piece for growers. And with that, we are building a mobile system. So this mobile system will be on a trailer and it will mimic the real system only in a smaller scale. So we've got a 14 foot aluminum trailer and it will have, um, uh, it'll be self-enclosed as opposed to the real system so that we can run water through the system and show growers how the system will truly function. And so there'll be an extra water storage tank on it, but it'll have all the other components that the real system will have. So it'll have a, a pretend rinse storage um, container and then it'll also have the same pumps and plumbing as the real system along with the two big tanks for the biomixture. However on the trailer because of weight issues we decided that we're going to not fill it with the the biomixture that you've talked about which is the mix of uh, straw or wood chips, the peat or compost and then topsoil. So we're gonna try and figure out a system where we're just running it 
um, as lightweight as possible to keep the trailer so that we can keep it on the road and moving it throughout the province. And, uh, and then it's also, like I said, self-contained so we don't have to worry about uh, the soil or particles, you know, clogging the system. And the other thing with the trailer is we're adding the spray boom to show growers, you know, when they're emptying their sprayer, the trough system and how that will also work. So it will have sort of the whole system built onto the small 14 foot trailer and the plumbing will all mimic the real system. So if growers are interested, they can take the trailer home and if they're going to implement their system, they can sort of follow the plumbing just on a larger scale when they go to install on their farm. I think it's a fantastic idea. Yeah, I, I, I do believe that kind of project is a game changer for biobeds in Canada and especially in Western Canada. So with our cl climate, the way it is in Southern Alberta in particular, are there any adaptations that you guys have suggested? I know um, we talked about heat tape and things like that and putting a roof over it. Can you give us some sort of information on what that is and why we would do it? Sure. Um, yes, in Europe, typically um, they have a longer growth season and in some countries much warmer than here. So they, um, and they operate uh, often throughout the year. So there's, there's no need in that case for, uh, for heating the, the biomixture. But uh, we noticed very early on that having um, a source of heat within the biomixture extends the use of the biobeds um, by at least six weeks. So I'd say three to four weeks in the spring and two to four weeks in the fall. Um, and that's because once the, the, the microbes who can use the pesticides at their source of, as their source of food, um, they work uh, better at higher temperature uh, above, you know, 20 degrees Celsius, for example. So um, having uh, initially we had um, a solar system, a solar panel that was uh, basically heating water circulating through the system. Uh, but now we're um, using heat tape that is uh, laid directly into the biomix, into the biobed, and that seems to work very, very well. It's very simple to use, um, but of course it does take a bit of electricity, so that's um, something that growers may want to think about when they want to build a biobed. But it's definitely extending the use of the biobed in a season, so growers can biofiltrate um, a lot more of their rinsate or their pesticide waste, so it's very uh, useful. And for Western Canada and most of Canada, I would strongly suggest uh, or strongly recommend they, that heat tape is used uh, within the biobeds or a heating system of some kind. Um, because we do have uh, heavy rains here and there, uh, Alberta is, especially southern Alberta, is maybe drier than uh, other uh, locations in the prairies. But um, heavy rains uh, can cause flooding of the biomixture. The microbes who degrade uh, pesticides tend to be aerobic, so they need air, they need oxygen. Uh, and if the biomixture is flooded, uh, then it becomes an anaerobic process. It's definitely not as efficient to remove or to degrade the pesticides because the microbes are not as active. Um, so we do suggest uh, some kind of cover. Uh, it could be as simple as a tarp that you put on if, it's, if there are heavy rains. Um, we also use the same uh, lid or cover uh, in winter because it's very windy around Leadbridge. So the um, biomix at the surface of the biobed, if it's not protected, some of it can go away. And because we apply a lot of pesticides, uh, it's a good thing to prevent its movement further uh, away. 
but um, it's mostly for rain, the, the lid or the cover or um, some kind of roof um, uh, is, is very useful. So I know with our biobeds this summer that we implemented, we also seeded uh, plants on top. Can you talk a little bit about why we would do that? There are several reasons. Uh, the first one actually is to uh, the rhizosphere. So where those plants grow and their roots are, are growing into the bio mixture um, is uh, a very um, uh, thriving environment for microbes. Uh, it's a very rich environment uh, because there are a lot of roots exudates and uh, that allows the microbes to grow faster and better and healthier. And you get a higher diversity of microbes as well that can degrade those pesticides. Um, so it's, it's a, a very rich environment and it promotes degradation of the pesticides within the bio mixture. That's the first reason and the main one. But the other reason is it serves as a very uh, visual indicator of the uh, biobed functions. If um, typically on a double system, we have two biobeds, they're seated exactly in the same manner. Um, and yet uh, there's growth on the second biobed only. Uh, and that's because the first biobed has been doing its job and removing enough of the pesticide residues in the rinseate so that when it's applied on the second biobed, there's plenty of growth uh, possible. So then you get a visual indicator that things are, that your biobed is working and is degrading enough of the pesticide residues um, to allow growth. And um, it's, it's, it's kind of nice because it's visual and you know right away that it's working. And if the grass was not growing on your second biobed, then you know you have a problem. There's something that is not being uh, degraded or taken care of. Um, we would love to develop visual indicators for um, fungicide and insecticide degradation. We're actually working on some uh, systems, but they couldn't be as direct as the, as the uh, plant growth on, on top of the biobed surface. The system seems really, um, you know, practical and you've done your research, seems super functional and that it has been clearly shown that it, it implements well. What do you see the uptake being in the next three to five years with growers here in Southern Alberta? I think that's a very good question. Um, I, I'm hoping the uptake uh, will be good uh, because those systems are easy to build, they're practical and they, they serve a, a very useful purpose. Um, on the other hand, um, I think we've developed a very good system for the prairies uh, that can accommodate a huge diversity of herbicides um, and of the, the insecticides and fungicides used in the prairies. Um, but we have a lot more work to do to accommodate other types of uh, cropping systems. So uh, orchards and vineyards are two that we're uh, targeting in our research currently. So in orchards and vineyards, um, the growers are using a lot more fungicides and insecticides than, let's say, typical prairie crops, uh, cropping systems would. And that's going to impact the microbes in the biomixture. So uh, we have more work, more research to do to uh, ensure that these cropping systems are covered and that biobeds are applicable to those systems as well. But in the prairies, uh, the data is there, the science has, has been done, and we're continuing. And I think there's a huge opportunities to improve the system and adapt it to the growers' needs. And I think Farming Smarter is contributing uh, to do that as well. So I'm hoping the uptake is gonna, um, is gonna be there in the next few years. 
So Farming Smarter's goal with this project is to see a minimum 50 farms applying this uh, system in the next few years. And considering we have so few in place at this point, I think that getting the trailer out there, which is going to help showcase, you know, the simplicity of, of the system to farmers and its implement, implementation as well uh, and establishing their system, this system on their farm. You know, we've, we're hoping that c different counties across the province will also be able to show this trailer to their growers within their regions and expand, um, you know, our reach uh, as Farming Smarters, primarily focused in southern Alberta. I think cost is is uh, one of the issues typically with those systems, um, and the larger biobeds we've built uh, cost us up to twelve thousand dollars, and that's that's a big expense for a grower. Um, but I think uh, with farming smarter uh, and that um, quote they have with Southern Irrigation, we're talking less than five thousand dollars, and I think that's uh, much more feasible. It's it's cheaper system, and it's just as good, and therefore I think that's going to help with adoption as well. All right. So if you're listening today and you're enjoying what you're hearing and your interest is piqued by using a Rinseate BioBed, please contact Farming Smarter. You can reach out through our website, FarmingSmarter.com. We have a bunch of information on our project pages. So if you go under the Growing New Ideas uh, tab, there is a project page for pesticide Rinseate BioBeds. And on there, we're going to include information about this project, including the quote from Southern Irrigation, and we're probably going to try and get an uh, infographic together to give you a quick outline of the setup and how it's going to function. Uh, we'll also have a VR or a 360 experience that we did with Lethbridge College. They're involved in this project, um, and, and it gives a really good overview of the system and great photos and a close-up look at what's actually happening on this system. Well, I would like to thank you, Claudia, for joining me in studio today. I appreciate you taking the time to share your extensive knowledge about uh, pesticide rinsate biobeds and, of course, um, all the chemical uh, background and what goes into these systems. Uh, so thank you very much for your time. Well, thank you, Jamie, for having me today. And uh, I hope the biobed project will attract uh, a lot of attention. Uh, if anyone has any more information that they're looking for on Farming Smarter or the projects that we're doing, please check out farmingsmarter.com. You can sign up to our mailing list and keep updated on projects and all the things that we have going on. You can also subscribe to our new packages. So if you're an agronomist or a farmer, we have some dedicated packages for you to continue your learning through Farming Smarter. And we really appreciate you taking the time to join us and check out some of the other podcasts that we have with Ken. Ken.